Good afternoon and welcome. I'm Maureen Conway, a Vice President at the Aspen Institute and Executive Director of the Aspen Institute's Economic Opportunities Program. And I am delighted to welcome you to today's conversation on our Job Quality Fellowship um, that we are just beginning the, the recruitment for. So I'm excited to talk to everybody about that. I'm thrilled also to be joined today by two Job Quality Fellows and we will get to that in a minute. Um, so what we're gonna uh, do in today's conversation, so in a moment, I'll do a quick technology review. Um, then I'm gonna give a little bit of background about the Job Quality Fellowship. Um, then we'll have a nice um, conversation with a couple of former fellows so you can maybe get a feel for things. Um, and really, we do wanna take your questions about the fellowship. So please do use uh, the Q&A box at the, at the bottom of your screen to uh, pose any and all questions that you might have about our Job Quality Fellowship. Um, uh, I also do wanna um, give special thanks to Prudential fin Financial, the WK Kellogg Foundation and the Cerner Foundation for their support of our Job Quality, uh, our job quality Fellowship Initiative. Uh, and thanks to all of you for joining us today. Um, so on the technology, uh, before we begin, um, uh, just to note, all attendees are muted. Um, uh, we will be handling, as I mentioned, your questions through the Q&A uh, box. So please do put questions there, um, but feel free to introduce yourself, share resources or other kinds of things in the chat function. Um, uh, I encourage you to sort of um, use that as well. Um, if you have any technical issues, please chat to us, or also you can email us at eop.program at aspeninstitute.org. Uh, the webinar is being recorded um, and we'll share uh, sort of the recording on our website. So no need to take notes. Um, you can listen and, and engage and go back to it later if you'd like to. Um, uh, closed captions are also available for this uh, discussion. So just click the CC button at the bottom of your screen to activate closed captions if you'd like to use that option. Um, okay. Uh, so um, just briefly on our timeline where we are in the application process. So we're so right now you can submit nominations. You can nominate yourself. You can nominate uh, somebody else. Um, the nominations will close December 15th. Uh, you have to be nominated to get an application. So it's important to, to nominate yourself, uh, to, nominate, to, to be in the nomination pool. Um, we review the nominations on a rolling basis to determine eligibility. Um, eligible nominations will receive an application no later than December 17th. We sort of review for eligibility in batches and send them out. Um, and uh, applications are due January 4th at 11.59 PM Eastern Standard Time. Um, and we're, we're firm on the deadline because uh, that way we can make sure we're, we have a fair process. Um, and we'll be announcing the fellows uh, early in February. So, so that's the timeline for the process. And just a, a little background on the, on the fellowship itself. So the fellowship launched in um, 2017. And, you know, at that time, we were interested in highlighting kind of a diverse set of leaders who are focused on the problems in our labor markets. Um, a key avenue, obviously, to economic opportunity is through work. Um, but, you know, as we've been sort of trying to connect people to work, to expand their, um, their ability to 
access quality economic opportunity, um, we're finding that too many people are connected to work uh, that doesn't really give them sort of a sustainable livelihood or a path forward. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, we keep focusing on providing services to individuals to help them, um, but we're not focused enough on the system of employment. And so the Job Quality Fellowship is really for people who are, are interested in that. How do we focus less on sort of fixing workers and focus more on fixing work? And I think really that the pandemic kind of underscored this situation, right? That we saw sort of essential workers and we saw that their work is important, but their work is not providing them a dignified livelihood. Um, too many of them are exposed to dangers in their work, dangerous working conditions. Um, and, and yet we rely on this labor for all of our livelihoods and all of our, you know, to meet our needs for food, for healthcare, for childcare, um, transportation and more. So, so, so really addressing this, um, what we call a job quality crisis, um, is, is kind of the work of the, the job quality fellowship and the job quality fellowship aims to support and celebrate, um, change makers who, who are doing this work. Um, so as I mentioned, the first two cohorts of fellows were intentionally diverse, drawing fellows both from, from business, from labor, from education, from local government, community development finance, and more. Um, and, and that's because we believe all actors really can play a role in addressing the job quality crisis. Um, but this particular fellowship, we're sort of developing a narrower focus uh, than those first two classes. And we're really interested in this intersection between workforce development and worker organizing and advocacy. Um, leaders in both of these fields have a strong interest in job quality, but they have different strategic approaches, philosophies, they have different organizational assets. Um, so this cohort of fellows will explore the possibilities for these two fields to leverage each other's strengths towards shared goals. Um, we, so we expect to, for this class of fellows that about half will come from workforce development and the other half will come from labor unions, worker centers and other organizations um, involved in sort of expanding worker power and, um, and advancing worker rights. Um, so, so that is kind of the, the frame for this, um, for this fellowship. So I think that's what I, I will stop because now I get to introduce two wonderful fellows who are sort of amazing exemplars of this. Um, so today we have with us Amanda Cage, President and CEO of the National Fund for Workforce Solutions. Um, Amanda joined the National Fund in March of 2020, bringing 25 years of federal workforce system grant making and organized labor experience to the National Fund. Um, and prior to taking on the leadership of the National Fund, Amanda was the Chief Program Officer at the Ch Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership, which is the role she was in when we met her as a job quality fellow. Um, so, uh, so we're, we're just really thrilled, Amanda, that you could join us today. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. Um, and Jess Kutch is the co-founder and co-executive director of coworker.org. Lots of co's there. Um, coworker.org deploys digital tools, data, and strategies in service of helping people improve their work lives. Um, Jess has over 15 years experience innovating at the intersection of technology and social change, including building platforms and digital campaigns to shift power and win change. Um, Coworker.org hosted the first digital town hall on the future of worker voice at the White House, which I remember um, back in 2015. And that was um, 
exciting, and Jess has also significant experience with SEIU prior to launching coworker.org. So I think she has a really interesting experience of, of thinking about these questions of worker organizing and worker power building from a variety of different angles and really thinking about sort of um, the ways technology is changing our economy and the ways technology can change things for, for workers in different ways. So I think that's an exciting experience to bring into this conversation. So thank you, Jess, for joining us today. And I will now just um, jump into our, our conversation. Um, you've both been uh, advancing job quality for a while. Um, and I guess to just to start, I'm gonna ask you both if you could sort of think back to um, when you found out that about the Job Quality Fellowship um, and think about what drew you to apply to it. Why did you think it was an interesting sort of opportunity for you? Um, and maybe share sort of a few highlights of your experience as a job quality fellow and how it's impacted your, your work. Um, and Amanda, let me start with you. Sure, and thank you, uh, Maureen, for having us here today. Um, it's very exciting that there's gonna be a third cohort of the Job Quality Fellowship. Um, so when I uh, was part of the Job Quality Fellowship, um, I had been in the workforce development field for about a dozen years, uh, half of that in philanthropy and half of that as part of the public workforce system. And I had watched us go in and out of a, a recession where a lot of people lost their jobs and the public workforce system in particular really was a, uh, a lifeline to folks um, as they were dealing with that disruption in their lives. And in some places we were doing a really good job uh, for folks who came into the workforce development system um, who were able to get training, uh, maybe connect a little career counseling, connect to a new in industry or occupation. Uh, we were able to do something for those folks. But there were people that we really weren't able to do as much for as we thought. Um, there are a number of people who came into that situation who were living paycheck to paycheck before they were laid off or lost their jobs. Um, and, or people who were laid off and lost their jobs and had depleted their savings while they were unemployed. And they just didn't have uh, the time and the money to engage in training. And for those folks, we just kind of tried to get them back into the, to the workplace. Um, and I felt like at times we were just sort of shoveling people back into bad jobs. Um, and I thought to myself, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, what are we really, if we believe in, in uh, economic mobility and stability, what, why are we not doing more to help folks who, who may not have access to training for a variety of reasons? How do we help them at this moment of crisis to get into a different situation? Um, and so I was really interested in that. Um, I often say that in workforce development, quality jobs is like the third rail. We don't talk about that. Uh, we uh, have employers play a very important role in our work and um, whatever they say kind of goes and we are excited that they're working with us. Um, and so we don't question them and we don't question their workforce practices. We don't question the kinds of jobs they had. Um, and so that really, when I saw the Job Quality Fellowship, the idea of like sitting around a room with other people talking about this issue that I felt like I was never able to talk about was really appealing. Um, I will say that there are a couple things that were, were really meaningful to me around uh, the Job Quality Fellowship. Uh, the first is I, I anticipated that that the group would be a lot of worker advocates. Um, and when I got to the Job Quality Fellowship, there are people who, rep who represented so many different sectors of um, 
of the work. And I was surprised by that. And it was very heartening to me to see that people in community colleges and CDFIs, um, employers, businesses were part of this, what I what I thought of as a sort of like a movement that had this little, little group of folks. Um, so I got to see people uh, working on this issue from lots of different angles. Um, and I, you know, obviously the, the biggest uh, change for me is I, I left my job. <laughs> I left my job to come and uh, be the CEO of the National Fund for Workforce Solutions. And I am incredibly proud um, to, to lead an organization that was on the forefront of this conversation, uh, really when people weren't talking about it and um, very excited uh, to continue that work. Great, thanks, Amanda. Um, Jess, let's hear from you. Yeah, I was thinking back to, you know, what was going on um, at the time of, you know, applying for the application. I think Coworker had been in existence about five years. When we created the organization and launched it in 2013, a lot of folks asked us, well, if people are unhappy with their jobs, why don't they just quit and find a better job? You know, um, this idea that folks would, you know, maybe risk their own um, circumstances to organize with coworkers and try to affect change, um, oftentimes outside the traditional union context, seemed like a very strange idea to many people. And one of our early objectives was to popularize workplace organizing. And people weren't even talking about worker voice, you know, in 2013. That wasn't, you know, in the, the nomenclature. Um, and so, but we saw it. We saw indications of people leveraging popular technology to try to network with their peers, um, to get information out to the public, to engage consumers about what was going on in their workplace. And we saw great potential there. Um, and so, you know, around the time of 2016, 2017, you really started to see that bubbling up in the popular culture. I think the market basket um, strike, it was in the summer of 2014. And, you know, that was um, at the time, one of the largest strikes I believe that occurred that year organized by mostly middle managers inside this non-union grocery store chain in New England. Um, and after like a three month, two to three month long strike, um, they were, you know, they were able to achieve their objective, which was, which was returning the ownership back to the original owners. But it was just an interesting like example of how workers used social media and digital tools to engage with the public, to recruit like community support, even engaging with other unions to, to, to get some support and solidarity um, to try to affect change. So, you know, around the time of, of applying for the Job Quality Fellowship, I think there was a general shift in how people were thinking about what the labor movement is and, and how workers were engaging um, employers and coworkers to try to improve their, their working conditions. Um, outside of uh, the traditional union context or, you know, as part of it. Um, so, yeah, so I was interested in Aspen because, you know, Aspen is, you know, I don't have many opportunities to sit down with folks from the business community or the workforce development community and hear how they're thinking about, um, you know, these worker uprisings or like, what, how, are they, how, are, how are they challenged by this issue of job quality and what are the solutions that they go towards versus what I instinctively go towards and where is their common ground? I think one of the highlights for me was getting to hear um, from a senior person inside Walmart, just like how they were confronting an issue 
that was actively being campaigned on by Walmart Associates on coworker.org at the time. And I got to share like, this is what we're seeing. You know, this is what associates are saying, your employees are saying. And, and, and just hearing how people think about these problems is helpful for me in strengthening my arguments, my approach, um, our organization's approach to supporting workers. So I just think like that, it's, that's a, it's extremely valuable to have that kind of like a safe space to, to share thinking. It's not like my mind was changed on anything, but like I, I can appreciate where other folks are coming from and I can see where the common ground is. And also it strengthens my, my thinking. Um, I also, you know, got an opportunity to speak to uh, the, the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City and members of the Federal Reserve, which was probably not an opportunity that would have, that would have occurred without Aspen. Um, and, you know, I think that there's been, there, as a cohort, we really did come together and form friendships and that, that time together, it not just surfaced like opportunities to collaborate, but just relationships in the field, which I think is undervalued, but is so useful over the long term. Um, and in, in the midst of this like great resignation that we're all experiencing, I think the issue of job quality is becoming ever more like urgent. It's like what you said, Maureen, it's not a labor shortage, it's a job quality crisis. Um, and so the opportunities for us to continue to work together, um, I think are only gonna grow. Great, thank you. Um, that's perfect. And I, you know, you, I think you've started to lay the ground for sort of my next questions, which to kind of to both of you, which is really, you know, what you think about this focus, this particular focus for the um, for the Job Quality Fellowship. Um, Amanda, you sort of have a long career in workforce development, but also some experience in in worker organizing. And I was just curious, sort of, you know, what your what your reaction was for for this and. Um, and what you would hope this this group would would work on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So before being involved in the public workforce system, I was a, I was a union organizer for for a decade. And I and I came into that work, um, obviously, out of a deep commitment to to workers and, and their right to organize. Um, and then when I came into the to the workforce development system, um, I was shocked and surprised at how much the, the workforce development system how little they knew about uh, labor history or worker organizing or um, unions. And you know that that's a testament to sort of the the, the uh, decimation of the labor movement in this country, right? That there are so few people who have um, experience with unions um, that it's sort of a, a, a foreign land to them. And it seems so odd given that they have this common goal, which is to improve the life of workers, right? Work for people in workforce development see that as one of their main um, one of their main goals and, and definitely within within the union movement. Um, it was even more a, a little more surprising given how many unions are really critical within training, right? Workforce training, which is a key aspect of workforce development. Um, you know, in addition to the building trades, which is where you get your training if you are in uh, you know sort of in the building trades. Uh, you get your training through unions. Um, SEIU has amazing, uh, you know, uh, training and, and worker training in um, healthcare, Unite Here uh, in culinary. So, so the fact that these two worlds sort of didn't in, intersect was, was a little um, 
quite frankly, confusing, but it's true. Um, and so um, I was really interested in, um, and I think what's really interesting about this moment is this real opportunity in this moment where there's a lot of conversation and talk around um, worker leverage, uh, you know, worker power for these two um, fields to really get to know each other. And I would say from the workforce development side, I think the union movement and the labor movement have a lot to teach um, around things like equity and fairness and democracy and worker voice, which are just tenants, tenants of all the work that, that labor, the labor uh, movement uh, does, but also in dealing with employers, um, you know, people, what the, the piece of unionism that people mostly don't see is the ongoing negotiation with employers, right? They, they usually see sort of that union organizing drive, but once you do that, you, you continue to, to negotiate with employers about what working conditions look like. And, and again, I think that's something that workforce development can learn from the labor movement. Um, and then I will also say, as somebody who knew, you know, I, my experience in the union movement was I, I worked for a number of unions. I did a lot of work across unions with community organization, which at the time we thought was just radical work. And now it's a little more commonplace. Um, but it, coming into the Job Quality Fellowship, I didn't know about organizations like Jess's, right? So even though I felt like I knew I knew how unions worked. I had worked with union locals. There was so much new worker organizing happening um, in organizations like co-worker organizations like the National uh, Domestic Workers Alliance that there was um, there were still things to learn. So I would say even if you're, you know, you're coming and you've been in the union movement for a long time, there's, there's pieces that you can learn across the board. Yeah, yeah, great. Just, um, you know, sort of a, a, a similar question for you. I mean, um, you know, how you think about this topic at this time and uh, um, as a focus for the for the Job Quality Fellowship, Amanda was sort of touching on ways that, that union organizing is has changed. And but um, but you also were sort of touching on how people's perception of it is changing. So I guess I'm curious how you think about this topic at, at this time. Yeah, I mean, with um strike tober and strikes giving i think uh the, in my life the labor movement is more popular right now than it's ever been in my lifetime and yet to amanda's point fewer people have direct lived experience with labor unions so that's both a problem and an opportunity because you also have an opportunity to kind of reimagine what that looks like like what it means to be part of the labor movement and um you know insofar as workforce development goes I think because there is a hunger to participate in this in some way, really equipping people with some knowledge and training about their rights in the workplace, their labor and employment rights. And, um, you know, whether that means like accessing like regulatory um, options to try to affect change, like OSHA, you know, filing a ULP um, or engaging with unions and, and sort of what that looks like. I think it's really important um, to somehow bundle that with, you know, workforce training. Um, and I, I'm interested in that conversation. I don't, I don't come from that world. And so I don't know what that could look like, but I think uh, we get asked every day by workers that we're supporting in a variety of sectors, you know, what are my rights here? Is my manager allowed to do this? You know, like, Hey, this seems like it's unsafe. What should I do? Like people are not, people don't know these things. And, it's like, you know, whether you're in a union or not, that's like a basic starting point to be able to start having a conversation with both 
your maybe your supervisors, but also your coworkers that you know your rights are being violated and what you should do. Um, so I'm hoping that can be something that comes out of this next cohort, maybe could be explored more is what that could look like. Yeah. Great, and I wanna encourage the audience, I see that we're starting to get a few questions in the Q&A box, so please, um, uh, we're gonna be getting to, to, to those soon. Um, um, I, I do, um, um, yeah, so I do wanna ask you to maybe say a little bit more about, you know, sort of what you hope this next group would, um, would accomplish, right? I remember back when we started um, when uh, Mark Popovich and I started kind of chatting with all of you and we we built that statement of purpose, really kind of building a shared vision. Um, I think it surprised Mark and I how much um, um, shared expectation there was on the group and, and how little sort of disagreement there was about, about that statement. And I guess if you think about that experience, I'm wondering what you're hoping um, this group might accomplish with sort of a, a narrower focus, what that, that could look like, um, if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, I think part of it is just, you know, uh, Maureen, you, you mentioned earlier that each of these, uh, or each of these areas have their own approaches and philosophies and organizational assets. And I think it's really important, anybody who's trying to make change, <laughs> um, understand how other institutions work like that. And, and I think this is an amazing opportunity um, for folks both coming from the labor movement and coming from uh, workforce development. Both of those fields are very opaque. They're hard for people to understand. There's all these acronyms. Both of them have these acronyms where it's almost like you have a secret language that you have that nobody understands. Um, structures that are very different, um, you know, pr procedures and processes. Um, and I think it's important uh, for folks to understand that about each other, right? So um, I know it sounds like sort of boring, but I, but I do think like understanding that and, and sort of the philosophy they bring to the work um, is really helpful for folks who are looking to, to do that, to, to work, you know, sort of across um, the superficial lines that we create. Um, I would also say that personal connection that Jess mentioned earlier, um, you know, those close, close professional um, relationships have made a huge difference for me in terms of having just a, a, a cadre of people um, who you know who have the same, who are trying to do the same thing you're trying to do um, as sounding boards, as thought partners, um, all of that good stuff. Um, and those relationships have continued both with individuals, but I would say as organizations have connected. Um, I really would say, um, for folks to actually do work together. I think early in those days, we were still trying to define job quality. You know, we were all about like manifestos and treaties and statements, like, and, and even gathering resources, like that's been done. We've done that. Like, congratulations to us. We did that work. Now it's time just to use those things out in the field and spread them uh, deep and spread them wide. And I think there's a lot of opportunity right now, given all the, um, you know, the dynamics that COVID exposed, right? Like who would have thunk, I, I, you know, I who pay attention to the labor market for a living, I did not think at this point we would have people saying no to work because the working conditions are just that bad. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that coming, right? And so um, the fact that we're in this moment where we are just hearing um, a lot about how work needs to be reworked, this is really an opportunity to, to make a lot of change on the ground. Great. Um, Jess, you want to add any of that? 
Yeah. I mean, I plus one to all of that. I, I, I share Amanda's thinking in that, like, it would be great to see some projects really emerge um, from this next cohort. Um, and, and, and just the moment we're in is, um, seems rich with opportunity. Uh, I, I know there are many sectors complaining about um, hiring and retention. And so it really does seem like a new moment to have an opportunity about job quality within the context of worker voice and uh, workforce development. So uh, I'm just hoping some experiments kind of emerge from that. And then I would also say, I would love to see some thinking done around um, how technology is changing the way we work and like what impact that has on job quality and worker voice. Um, you know, like th issues like algorithmic management. Um, Coworker just put out a report on, you know, that covers 500 different pieces of surveillance technology that's in use in workplaces around the world. So just like thinking about how those changes require maybe some different approaches um, in our field um, to address the needs that workers have. Um, I, would, I would love to see some, some collaboration on that. Yeah, great, good. And I'll look forward to reading that report. Um, okay, so I'm gonna start just diving into these questions. I see we have a, have a, a critical mass here so I can see how many questions we can answer in you know, sort of a short time. Um, uh, so let's see if I, if I uh, start with what's at, now at the top of my screen. Um, what role does economic development play at state and regional levels as it relates to supporting job quality? Should tax incentive structuring uh, be a tool utilized to support the quality of jobs created in region? Is it a function of incentives to do this? I mean, I think those are all good questions about economic development and the role that economic development should play. Um, I think you could probably find different opinions within the Job Quality Fellowship about, about that. Um, uh, I certainly have my opinions about what role economic development should play with, since I have a master's in that. Um, uh, but I'm not sure where, uh, if either, I don't know if either of you want to add anything to that. Having to say, okay. Um, uh, you know, I'll add something to that because okay. um, I, I will say that, um, especially as it's structured both at the state level and usually at the city or municipality or uh, uh, county level, workforce development is really driven by economic development. When you think about who um, who sort of uh, who oversees that, those resources that come on the ground, oftentimes it is really deployed with a with an eye towards how do we attract and retain um, businesses in our locality, right? And so workforce development is one of those strategies. So workforce development is often part and parcel with um, economic development just in terms of how, how, that, um, how that work happens on the ground. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, that's, that, is, that is true. Although I, I do think that there are some issues with sometimes how the tax incentives are structured, but there we are. Um, uh, is there a specific role of person? I'm sorry, my computer seems to, uh, that, and I guess within an organization, is there a specific level of person was, was I believe the question that is now lost me. Um, and, uh, um, so I guess, um, I would say, you know, you really do want to be, um, you know, sort of have some influence over programming in your organization, right? I think we're looking for people who have some, 
some experience to bring and who um, who have some level of authority within their organization that they can sort of think about the experience of the fellowship and make changes. Um, I will say one of the things that we try to do, you know, is our job sort of at the Aspen Institute is to really um, understand the fellows work to try to document it, lift it up so that other people can learn from it. Um, uh, we really do think about job quality fellows as exemplars for, for people to, to learn from. So you want to think about whether you can sort of, whether you're in that role. That doesn't mean that you have to be the executive director of the organization. And sometimes the executive director of the organization can have trouble committing the, the time, you know, to be away from the organization for a period of days and be at meetings. Um, so you want to think about that too. Um, but you do want to have, you know, at, at least a senior role within within the organization. I don't know if Amanda or Jess, if you have any thoughts on that question at all. I, I don't know if this is about your position in an organization, but when I applied for the job quality fellowship, I, in terms of my own professional development, I felt like I was at a crossroads. Um, I had done the work that I had done for a long time. Um, I was, you know, I was committed to workforce development, but I needed to see it and experience in a new and different way where I felt I could be making, like I had a senior enough position that I could make change and I could see this as a space to make change. Um, so I would, you know, I would say for folks, um, especially people who are, you know, in your second or third decade of work, um, it, it, it was a great experience. It was a great time for me to um, broaden my network. I had done a lot of work in Chicago. I was, you know, I had a lot of uh, co close colleagues and, and knew sort of the scene well in Chicago, but it's a great opportunity to build a national network, um, even if you do a lot of work locally. Um, and it's a real opportunity to just like have a new, you know, have a new uh, view, right? To have all your sort of assumptions and, and the way you think about things be um, challenged and to, to see things in a new light. So I would say, even if you feel like you're on the old side for the job quality fellowship to, to, to consider it. Um, great. Um, is the, if the primary purpose of our organization's work is not advocacy and organizing, should we assume that we are not a good fit for this year's cohort? Um, I wouldn't say that because I think most people in workforce development wouldn't characterize um, their work, their primary uh, work as advocacy and organizing. We are looking for people who are interested in influencing the quality of jobs in the labor markets that are relevant to them. Um, and so if you're going to, so if that's your view of advocacy and organizing, then yes, then that's required. But, um, um, but I, I, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, sort of in advocacy and organizing in, in, in a narrow sense. And I hope that was a clear answer to that question. Um, uh, would love to learn more about the logistics of the fellowship. What does being a fellow entail? Are there regular meetings with other fellows, virtual and or in person? If so, are those meetings organized around the substantive focus of this year's other guest speakers, facilitators? Is there a stipend? Um, so uh, I'll go quickly through some of those. So the cadence that we have for meetings, because alas of our um, pandemic conditions ongoing, we're hoping to do a hybrid um, version of the fellowship. So we expect to have some virtual meetings in um, March and April, and then an in-person convening in May um, to do some virtual meetings, again, sort of 
late summer, early fall, and then um, hopefully an in-person convening in early um, uh, early 2023, I guess that would be. So having the fellow experience stretch of, over the course of an entire year while mixing um, in-person um, and virtual convenings. Um, uh, we, um, uh, we in the past, we've said, okay, here's the specific dates and times of our meetings, and we want everybody to commit to be there on those specific days. Um, given where we are, um, uh, we understand things change uh, unpredictably. So, um, but we do we do hope people will commit to um, doing their best to be to be there to the best of their abilities. Um, uh, in terms of a stipend, there's not a there is not a stipend. However, for in-person meetings, we do pay all of your travel and lodging expenses and and all of that um, that sort of thing. So that I think is the answer on on cadence. Um, and I guess I'm just curious, Jess and Amanda, um, if you might comment on sort of what you felt like uh, the time commitment, you know, good, you know, was that hard or difficult or how that how that time commitment felt to you? I'll say I, I wasn't sure going into it and was really pleased with I felt it felt very manageable, the time commitment. And I found the the in-person gatherings extremely valuable. Um, and you know, I think we're many of us uh, travel too much, have too many in-person meetings. So I, I just I don't say that lightly. Like it was actually valuable. It was worth it. Um, and you know, whether it was when we gathered in person in DC or um, on the Aspen campus in in Colorado, it was just like having that dedicated time um, with each other. Um, I think is why we have the relationships we have today. Um, so, yeah, great, thank you. Um, okay, does the Aspen team encourage candidates to have multiple nominators who may hold different roles, views of the candidate? Will the quality of nominations factor into the final review and selection of the candidate? Um, uh, for the nominee, uh, you have to have at least one nomination. It can be yourself. Uh, we don't necessarily, um, it's, uh, what can I say about this? Um, some people do, some people don't. Um, certainly if you have more nominations that can be, um, influential, you know, more information is, you know, more information for us to consider. Um, but we try to make this process not too burdensome. So it's certainly not required to have uh, multiple nominations. And I would say most candidates do not have multiples. Um, how large will the new cohort be? Um, so, he, so, okay, so we said we were gonna choose 10, which probably means we'll choose 12 because I always end up in this situation where we have a whole lot of people apply. They're all great, I can't decide. I take extra. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, um, so, so please apply because I'm excited to learn about you and what you're doing. Um, and, and uh, I wish we could take more, but that's, that's basically, um, uh, we, we take a little over what we've budgeted for essentially um, uh, and somehow managed to make it work. So, um, uh, let's see, as you select the next cohort of fellows, will you have a focus on particular industries or sectors? Um, not really. Uh, this is, this is the way we've narrowed it is by these two fields of practice, but not necessarily by, um, industry sector or anything like that. Uh, let's see. 
lots of folks with great backgrounds in the public sector and organized labor has asked been considered applicants from the private sector who work in capacity building, economic development, braided funding, partnerships, et cetera. Um, I, we are not sort of saying what kind of organization somebody needs to sit within. It's more asking sort of, do you work within either workforce development or in sort of worker advocacy, uh, worker organizing? So, um, so public sector applicants are, are nonprofit, um, private sector, depending on the work of the organization, it could be a fit. So, um, so just take a look in, at the materials, see if you think that that, that makes sense for you. Um, uh, just mentioned getting in a room with one big employer, Walmart, and what other ways have employers been involved in the fellowship? Um, oh, uh, and there was that question about guest speakers. So we do have guest speakers um, sometimes, and um, we had a smaller employer in, in the second round of the fellowship. Um, uh, there's different opportunities for um, thinking about um, involving employers um, as guest speakers. We have had people come as guest speakers as well uh, to think about different employment models and how that can can work to support job quality. So, um, so yeah, so there are a variety of ways for employers to to be involved. Um, and uh, if you have questions, if you think. Um, if you think I have something to contribute to this, but I'm not sure I'm a fit as a fellow, um, we'd love to hear from you. And please send an email to eop.program at aspeninstitute.org. Um, we'd really, we'd love to love to hear your ideas. Um, okay, I think I answered the question around logistics and time commitment. Um, uh, are the issues just raised around technology and algorithmic management a potential focus of this fellowship? Uh, so Joss, maybe you have a future as a guest speaker on this. Um, uh, I should say that I think one of the things we try to do in our early meetings with the fellows um, is try to you know, help them sort of get to know each other and help them find sort of some things that they wanna focus on together. So, so there's a maybe for you. Um, um, Jess, do you have anything that you want to add about what you would hope the fellows might do on this topic? Well, I'll just say what I, you know, I think you were saying is, is it's up to the fellows to really determine sort of what they want to focus on. And maybe that's not clear. I mean, you, you all from Aspen didn't come in and say, this is what you should do. It was really what we decided as a group. So depending on like, I mean, I think it will depend in large part on who is assembled, who's part of this cohort, what expertise do they have um, and kind of going from there. But I mean, yeah, I would love, I would love to, to have some folks that have experience dealing with um, the impact of technology in the workplace and with workers. Um, I guess I'll, I'll keep an eye out for who's in the cohort. <laughs> would love to stay involved. Okay. Um, okay, so there's a question about given the challenge with COVID, the expectations of in-person engagement versus online interaction with the fellowship. I mean, this is something that we're all dealing with, as I mentioned, our plan right now is sort of this hybrid model. We're, we're hoping to have some in-person time because I think while we've done a lot of sort of convenings of different types virtually over the past couple of years now, um, it's really hard to replace that sort of in-person connection. So we really are hoping to do that. Um, the Institute has pretty 
um, pretty careful and strict protocols about, um, about safety uh, for in-person gatherings. And obviously we follow local jurisdiction issues, but we also have our own protocols because we really do wanna make sure when we are in person that it's safe um, and, and that it's you know, safe and a good experience for everybody. So, um, so that is kind of the best answer I think I can give at this point in time um, uh, about sort of what our in-person our in-person might be. Um, uh, yeah, I don't have uh, anything else to say about that. I think, um, okay. Uh, obviously not everyone who applies will be able to be part of the Job Quality Fellowship. Would Aspen consider releasing a reading list or share relevant materials so that learning can be shared? Um, uh, yes, um, so uh, this could be useful to organizations who want to bring more of their staff along on this job quality journey. So I'm, I sort of chuckled a little bit because I'm not sure when I gave people readings that they really liked the readings very much. But, um, uh, but we um, are happy to share things that, that we do read, but also um, I think it is a goal of ours to kind of share out from some of the conversations and try to distill information um, and, and some of the insights of the fellows and ways that they that, that can be shared out more broadly. So we will work on this and we will try to share out from, um, uh, think of different formats and ways to, to share out. And um, we also did, I think at one point, develop a, a reading list, maybe it was in our second cohort. Um, and, uh, and I think we just circulated among the cohort, but that's a great idea to sort of circulate it out. So, um, so I will keep that in mind. That's a good suggestion. Um, let's see. All right, now I'm, uh, um, this upvoting thing means these questions move around all over the place and I'm losing track. <laughs> um, and let's see, can we solicit nominations from colleagues? Absolutely, um, please do. Um, how can, many I make, can I also yeah. make a plug for um, nominate yourself? I'm pretty sure I nominated myself. <laughs> I mean, other people might have nominated me too, but I know I nominated myself. So do not be, uh, do not uh, feel like you can't nominate yourself. Now is not the time for shyness. Nominate yeah. yourself. Um, yes. So, and, and, and I think pro many, many nominees nominate themselves. So don't, if, if that's your, if that's your path, no shame. Um, um, in fact, I think most people nominate themselves. Uh, let's see, can we solicit nominations? Um, how many nominated individuals ask and intend to apply for the program? The nomination form is very, very brief. And really the nomination form is only meant to um, sort of screen for eligibility. So it's, so most people who nominate, who um, fill out the nomination form, we're just looking to see like, you know, if you, if you're, so for example, we're trying to sort of not have people who are, you know, doing research in a think tank apply for this fellowship because they think that they do fellowships, right? So things like that, like it's a very broad screen. So we expect that most people who are sort of broadly eligible, we will then send, um, send an application, but <clears throat> we want to make sure not to waste anybody's time applying that it's just not a good fit for um, how many out-of-state meetings are there and does Aspen cover these? Um, so yes, we cover these. Um, we like to, being the Aspen Institute, meet in Aspen. 
Um, and it's a really nice place to have a group come together and bond. Excuse me, I'm a little frog. <clears throat> um, and uh, so, so we hope that we'll be able to bring this cohort out to Aspen to have a nice Aspen experience, but um, we'll see. But we cover all of the, <coughs> excuse me, transportation expenses and, and all of that. Um, so for this fellowship, I think we were thinking that we were hoping to have one meeting in Aspen and one meeting in DC because <coughs> that can also offer some networking opportunities, but um, we'll have to see how that, uh, how that works out. Um, are you considering nominations from prior fellows? I hope prior fellows will absolutely nominate people who um, who they think would be a good fit. They are great nominators and I hope that they will do that. Um, uh, is there a monetary contribution to the fellow and their organization? That's a good question. I wish there were. I tried to raise money for that uh, for at, at various points and uh, alas, uh, unsuccessful. If you know a funder that would like to uh, fund um, some sort of challenge grants or something like that to our, our job quality fellows, please let me know. I'll try my pitch again. Um, but, uh, but at present, uh, no, there is not uh, resources for that. Um, excellent, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I have no shame about waving my tin cup here. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. I. I think um, uh, I think most of these. Let's see how. Um, I think I answered that. Uh, let's see. So, from can the next cohort expect similar opportunities for discourse? And if so, what is the structural nature of internet? Um, I, hopefully, we'll have um, a wide variety of opportunities for discourse. I should say there's. Um, building relationships with the fellows. And then, as I mentioned, that we also do have um, guest faculty. Again, it's sort of a matter of what the fellows want. So there's an opportunity for fellows to shape um, who's invited as guest faculty and how to um, sort of have some of those relationship building opportunities as well. So um, what kinds of qualities, characteristics are you looking for in candidates? Um, Oh, I don't know, tell better jokes than me. Um, uh, uh, so I think, I think really we are looking for, um, uh, uh, to be more honest, although telling better jokes than me would be helpful. Um, uh, people who are open to, I think you could, you could hear from both Amanda and Jess, passion for their work, um, passion for the issue of job quality, um, open to hearing from people who have different ideas and experiences and backgrounds than you, right? Like sort of, being willing to consider like a different way of looking at a problem, um, being willing to think about how could I, you know, work across some institutional or jurisdictional lines or whatever, um, you know, and really just being open to thinking creatively about how to kind of address really a, a very, very challenging problem in our economy and society. So, um, so that I think is, is basically what I, what I would say. Um, and Jess and Amanda, I'm going to ask you sort of what what would you say um, are are good what makes what makes for a, a good fellow um, that you want to be in a in a fellows group with? So. 
Any thoughts on that? I was looking at Amanda to start. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> um, wow. I wish I had more time to sit and think with that, of that, with that question. Um, I agree with what Maureen said. Um, I, I appreciate that we were all like a bunch of nerds. And I, I think I say that, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing in my mind. Um, and, and so just like, yeah, deeply passionate and folks, I, I learned so much um, from people and these fields that I really knew very little about. So yeah, I think that, that curiosity um, and interest in hearing from folks from other, from other fields different kinds of practitioners and trying to understand what problems they're solving is, is helpful. Yeah, I would add to that just the open mind issue. I mean, I think it's really easy when you do this work to feel really passionate and, and in some ways get really uh, singularly focused on an issue. Um, and I, it, really, it really opened my eyes to the variety, the, the variety of ways that we could think about job quality and the variety of um, actors who can be involved. Um, and I would also say, and, and you know, Aspen Hat is a prestigious organization, and I think lots of people, you know, that there's something to about the 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 name, the namesake of Aspen. Um, but I, I would really encourage folks to, um, you know, this is a commitment. Um, it is a time commitment. I would say it's a rejuvenating time commitment. You know, I, I always felt the time I spent on the work gave me more energy than sucking energy out of me, um, but really not just committed for your own growth, but for like, like this is a movement, regardless of how you're coming to it. Um, and really with a dedication, not like, oh, I'm a little interested in this, I'm going to dabble my feet in it. But like, it's almost like you're, you know, you're joining this group of people who are, who are going to be working on this for decades. Um, and you should walk into it thinking about it that way. Yeah, Amanda, thank you. That was great because that kind of, I we just have a couple of minutes left and I had wanted to ask you. And so maybe I, um, Jess, I'll, I'll go to you and then maybe Amanda, if you want to add anything, but for what is your advice to, to people who are considering applying to the fellowship or to the next class of fellows? What would what would be your, your just couple pieces of advice to them? Um, I mean, I think going into it, thinking about how you're going to, you know, build on the relationships you're going to form in the fellowship is really helpful. How, how that'll inform your work and how you'll be able to leverage those relationships to have an impact on job quality. Um, and yeah, I loved Amanda's point. I'm just going to steal it. <laughs> like the thinking about like a 10 to 20 year, like project or movement that we're all kind of involved with and what the what is what what are the possibilities of the work we could do together great amanda did you want to add anything or i would add the advice that you should ask for jess and i to come back as faculty members <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to see you in aspen um. <laughs> great well, I see we're just about out of time. I want to thank everybody for, for being here, for all the questions and engagement. Um, this has been really great. Um, if you uh, think of a question later, um, uh, please ask. It's eop.program at aspeninstitute.org. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, this, as I mentioned, this will be recorded and put on our website so you can re refer back to it. 
Um, and thank you so much for your, uh, oh, thank you also to my um, fabulous uh, colleagues, Mark Pavovich, Mohona Siddiq, um, uh, Tony Mastria, um, uh, who all make all of these things work um, and who have been uh, key partners in the Job Quality Fellowship. Um, uh, and thank you all. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. <laughs>